With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks. And it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big, wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They've got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your Social Security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. I am the soul that the builder refused. I am the visual, the inspiration that made ladies sing the blues. I'm the spark that makes your idea bright. The same spark that lights the dark so that you can know your left from your right. I am the ballad in your box, the bullet in the gun, the inner glow that lets you know to call your brother son. The story that just begun, the promise of what's to come. And I'm going to remain a soldier till the war is won. By taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. We think, just let me think. Expect, even now, orders are being shouted into telephones and men with guns will soon be on their way. Chancellor, Damn it! Why? Because while the truncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words offer the means to meaning, and for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth. But the truth is, there is something terribly wrong with this country, isn't there? You designed it, sir. You wanted it foolproof. You told me every television in London. Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and depression. And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, 
You now have sensors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and subverting your submission. We need cameras. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others. They will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you. And in your panic, you turned to the now High Chancellor, Adam Suttler. He promised you order. He promised you peace. And all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent. Inspector. ideas are indeed bulletproof it's friday night it's the place to be fast and furious friday here on hov if you look into the chitty chat room you will see that the speak the speaker feed is up and running and i've put a link in there for you to try as far as listening goes and I do have a link for the Chitty Chat room as well. If you get into there, let me know that you are, and I will continue to monitor that one as well. Tonight, we're going to talk about a couple things that have been going on. One's been going, well, actually, they've both been going on for years and years and years. Uh, the the current tizziness that surrounds the end of all mankind, known as net neutrality. And secondly, it has been five years since the Sandy hoax. So I want to talk about that and consider for a moment where we have been since 2012 when that happened and where we are today in relationship to that. And I believe that we can draw some parallels between then and now. Deal off the way we always do. We shall begin. Stand by. And what the left has stood for with political correctness is to try and get those with whom they disagree to shut up. And the Tea Party movement and Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman and Alan West and, and all, the, all the people that have gone out there against the mainstream media and said, you're going to call us racist, you're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's, fuck you. War. You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there's certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. How horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. 
You see them sometimes, walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You've got your little way hurting me. You know just how to tear me up. Leave me in small pieces on the ground. You've got your Somebody to jump over on Spreaker and 
tell me whether we've got the uh, whether we've got the feed working over there, if you would. And ah, okay, so no ways there. All right, very good. Now, a couple things, and this sort of falls into what we've been talking about all the way through. But there's a couple things that I want to uh, bring up. And those things would be, I want to get people onto a, uh, a deal. If you have an Android or an iPhone, Pop over to the link that I just put into the chat and take a look at that. And if you so desire, put it on your phone. And then you know how to find me on Twitter. You know how to find golf. You know how to find Smokey take and get that signal app on your phone and if you're running windows you can put it on your desktop too and then the thing about signal is that it has end-to-end -end encryption which is a good thing to do and it gives us all away each other that falls outside of the normal internet apps, especially uh, especially stuff like Twitter and whatnot, where you know that they're just taking in, you know, looking at all your stuff and everything else. So, and the beauty of it is too, is you can also set signal up to end-to-end -to -end encrypt your telephone calls as well. It's kind of cool. I think it's worthwhile. And it may become important at some point. That. Okay. So now, and secondly, and the sheriff, sheriff, we can, I can help you with that. So that's not to worry. Uh, that's why we have a large group of techie types, so we can help everybody to get their stuff aligned, and we can work it all out. The first thing I want to do for you tonight is I want to play an older clip, Judge Knapp, which I think really... Uh, which I think will be illuminating towards where we're going tonight. And it will allow us to have a frame of reference when we start talking about tonight's subjects. So here, listen to this once, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. 
Does the government work for us or do we work for the government? Can the federal government take credit for saving us from a plot of its own creation? Tonight, has the federal government kept us safe or does it just want us to think that it has kept us safe? Since the tragedy of 9-11, numerous crazies and low-level copycats have engaged in criminal behavior which they hoped would result in the, death, the deaths of innocent Americans and somehow advance their cause of jihad. If you ask the leadership of the FBI, most of whose field agents are tireless, dedicated, constitution-supporting professionals, it will tell you that it, the FBI, has foiled about 17 plots to kill Americans during the past 10 years. What it will not tell you is that there have been 20 foiled plots, and of them, three were interrupted by members of the public. The 17 that were interrupted by the feds were created by the feds. We all remember the three that were foiled by diligent Americans, the shoe bomber, the underwear bomber, and the Times Square bomber. In all of these cases, the crimes charged were those of attempting to kill and conspiring with others to do so. In all three of those cases, alert Americans on transcontinental flights or in the streets of New York City told authorities of bizarre behavior or actually subdued the threats themselves. There was no foiling by the FBI. The plotters were, thankfully, bumbling fools who had poorly planned their criminal behavior and who ended up harming no one. All three are serving life terms. But the more curious cases are the remaining 17 for which the federal government has taken credit. They all have a common and reprehensible thread. They were planned, plotted, controlled, and carried out by the federal government itself. In all of these 17 cases, from the Fort Dix 6 to the Lackawanna 7 to the Portland Parade Bomber, the feds found young men of Muslim backgrounds, loners who were bitter at America. They befriended them, cajoled them, and persuaded them that they could change the world by killing Americans. In all these cases, agents worked undercover and portrayed themselves to the targets as Arabs of like un-American mind. In some cases, the federal agents used third parties to act as middlemen. The third parties were typically persons who had been convicted of crimes and who, in return for leniency at their own sentencings, were willing to work with the same feds who prosecuted them in order to help the feds entrap whomever else those feds were pursuing. Thus, in all 17 of these cases, because of the command and control of federal agents, no one was ever in danger, no one was harmed, no bomb went off, and no property was damaged. But in all those cases, the losers whom the feds targeted each believed that they were interacting with real plotters who would bring them cash and bombs. As we know, sometimes the cash arrived, but the bombs never did. The defendants were essentially charged and convicted for playing a game with federal agents. The most recent of those gener uh, government-generated plots was revealed yesterday. It has a new twist because it allegedly involves agents of the intelligence apparatus of the government of Iran. It, too, was destined to go nowhere as the feds monitored and taped every move made by their target as he interacted with federal agents whom he stupidly believed to be drug dealers and co-conspirators. Today, the feds themselves revealed that high officials of Iran's government knew nothing of this. Of course, the neocons have demanded bombs on Tehran, no matter what the government there knew. And this plot came to light the day before Attorney General Holder himself was subpoenaed by Congress in the Fast and Furious case. You get the picture. Are any of these plots criminal? Can the government just pick and choose whom to seduce and then lower the boom at the right time and arrest its would-be Confederates? Is this a proper and efficient use of law enforcement resources? The answers to these questions are obvious and they are not good. The courts have made this legal, 
so long as the target of these plots had a mental predisposition to cause harm. But none of this keeps us safe. All of this makes us less free, as any one of us can be entrapped. And we are fools if we praise the government for exposing a plot of its own creation and saving us from a danger that never existed. Can the government break the law in order to enforce it? Well, when it does, it becomes a law unto itself, and the rule of law dies as the feds decide whom to target and whom to trap. Think about it. Are we really safe in a false sense of security? Why do we pay the government to trick us into believing it is keeping us safe? When no one is harmed and the government controls the plot, aren't we just punishing someone for his thoughts? And in a free society, aren't free people free to think as they wish? This must be so, because if the government can punish our thoughts, there are no limits to its power. From New York, Defending Freedom. Okay, so, and he lays out the basic points at that point uh, of what the, uh, the feds are doing and what they've been doing ever since they've established this so-called war on terror. And each of us has to relate ourselves to this thing in each particular way that we do. Now, I think that uh, one way to do to avoid this trap is what I was talking about with the Signal app. Your data, your text, or your voice behind an encrypted wall. Now, it's not complete. It's not foolproof because there's still a two, there are still two points that the feds can see. They can see the enter point and they can see the exit point. But it is preferable to no protection at all. So when we start to talk about these things and you know those of us who are are are, are tweeters and whatnot too, of course you have, you know, in three days, Twitter is going to enact its new censorship rules, which means that probably uh, which probably means that a lot of us are going to end up being booted Twitter at some point so make an arrangement if you haven't already I know I've got a couple three different accounts that I keep in pocket because just for matters such as this so anyway so five years ago if you're watching the crawl if you've watched the the, the pretty pictures up at the top of the page you'll see I put a bunch of, of slides in in regards to Sandy Hook. Now, for those of us who don't remember and 
I find it hard to believe there's anybody here that doesn't remember the Sandy hoax, was where allegedly a 90-pound kid who was on a plethora of drugs and everything else went allegedly went in to an elementary school packing all kinds of weapons and all kinds of ammo and dispatched a whole bunch of kids in virtually no time at all with a rate of accuracy that would make a Green Beret jealous. People are still out of their minds over this even five years later. So when I had decided that I wanted to talk about the Sandy hoax, tweet out. <clears throat> Let me read it for you. Uh, let me find it here from the other day. Let's see. Do 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 do. do. Uh, here we go. I tweeted this. The prostitutes are trying to reinforce the idea that the Sandy Hook hoax is real. Was real. Go ahead. We knew the truth then, and we know it still. And the first and only response I got to it came back. You are filth. Subhuman garbage doesn't even begin to describe the low, vile creature you are. Hope this violence visits you in your sleep every night. Five years later, now I figured I would continue my experiment, and I did. I went to uh, my new favorite joint on the interwebs uh, 4chan uh, slash P-O-L and I started a thread on the Sandy hoax and never having started a thread I didn't really know how it would go or anything like that but I had a lot of people that were really really awake about it for those that actually remembered and those that were drawing the comparisons between Sandy Hoax and Vegas, which is why I played that tape to start with. So let me bring in No Way and then John, and then Gooch on the Sandy Hoax, and we will continue 
to talk about things that are being done, allegedly, in our protection. What up, Noe? Well, good evening, good evening, RZ and everyone. Well, when I got the email yesterday from you, I, I did go back through and I looked at some things from the Sandy hoax. And, of course, the, the conspiracy, what they're calling the conspiracy sites, that so much of this, the content has been now blocked and censored out. But there was still a lot of information still there. Now, first and foremost, me, and, you know, by surprise almost, again, by looking at it, and seeing it now, many of you do know, but many of you may not, that my wife and I, we did lose a child at two years old to SMA. So it was a two-year battle with this, with our son until he passed away. And I will tell you right now, there is no way on God's green earth, two days after I had to sign a do not resuscitate order on my son, would I be sitting in front of a camera smiling and having a great, wonderful time with Anderson Cooper talking about the death of my son? It, it just It's not going to happen. Any parent that has just gone through that kind of a tragedy of losing one of their children is not going to be in front of a camera. It, it's just not going to happen. I can contest to that 100%. I've been there. When you look at the evidence coming forth and you're seeing these different people that were playing different roles, we're seeing the same thing from Sandy Hoax that we've seen in other false flags the years since, you know, the five years since. But with Sandy Hoax, there's too many indiscrepancies. The wrong school being used in an overhead view. Um, this supposedly SWAT guy, sniper, that we all know that when you're holding a true assault weapon like these SWAT people and these snipers and stuff hold, your assault weapon, you're not walking up a street hanging onto it upside down by the magazine while the strap is dragging on the ground. It, it just, it doesn't happen. But when you take this same guy that they called the sloppy sniper, when you see what the, how this guy was and how he kept hiding his face and here the next day, he's right on a camera trying to cry, trying to act because, yes, he's an actor. So is his so-called wife, is an actor. These people are putting on an act. But when you look right at what the goal of this whole false flag was, it worked. They got signs and they've got news footage of people standing in long lines ready to turn in their guns. We're going to make our community safe by turning in our guns. And now, what else has come since this? Everything on the books now for charges in any 
of these no victim crimes. They're, 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 they're stupid things that they just want to nail people with, but they all have an underlying role. If you look at the gun control laws in all 50 states, it all comes back to they have their, their war on drugs. So the war on drugs causes mental illness within the users, and all of this leads to gun confiscation. You cannot own a gun. You cannot buy a gun. You cannot be around a gun. The second you sit down and you say two words to a psychiatrist that was court-ordered, you're done. State law. All 50 states. And this is the kind of stuff that it's creating. What they didn't get, they did not get all 50 states jumping on board. They created an elaborate hoax. You can find no death certificate from anybody. Nobody died. It's all there for the, the information that is open to the public is there. What our government does when they pull a stunt like this is they pretty much have it in their head that there is nobody in America smart enough to go onto the web and find it all. This freedom of information it's there. You can go into any government computer and find whatever information you want. That is the law. But they're counting on people not doing it, not being able to navigate the site, not going to take the time to find the truth. They're going to turn on the TV and they're going to listen to whatever they want to listen to. And then they're going to pull on their heartstrings. And as long as you can get people to come after RZ for a tweet he put out, then you've got it made. You've got one person attacking anybody that speaks out against Sandy Hook. You call it Sandy Hoax, this person's going to attack you. And that's what it that's that's how Marxism works. People want to say again, I'll I'll say it like a broken record, but people try to say Nazism is fascism, but it's not. Marxism is this bullying. But it creates the fascist laws that the government pushes onto the people. So that's what I have on, on that, RZ. Uh, back to you, my brother. <coughs> All right. Thank you, Noe. And let us bring in our friend John to find out if he has an opinion on this. Well, I probably do have an opinion. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm very well informed to make a very good opinion. So definitely everybody listening, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, I I definitely have my concerns about any um, rogue operators that are trying to use our government as a weapon and as a cloak for their malicious mischief so then they can try to pull the wool over our eyes. But... um, Man, just listening to the opening roll-in that you did earlier, too, makes me concerned that, hey, you've got to look out for moles. You can't even trust who you're talking to sometimes. That's tricky now. But um, I'm not – try to get to – this is just for me. So each and every person sees things from different perspectives, and I like people to challenge me and to, um, to uh, question or, or at least, you know, help me grow 
prove me wrong or prove your ideas are better because that's the only way I get smarter. And you don't want an idiot like me running around doing idiot stuff. You want me intelligent so I can join the group and, you know, be in unity moving together. So, you know, to me it's like I, I struggle with it because just like no way was saying, the people that's had a child that they've lost, well, the people that lost the child that is a part of Sandy Hook or, you know, the Sandy Hook thing, depending on what side of the pinch you fall on, it's real to them unless, like, no way saying they're putting on a facade. Well, can do I just jump to conclusions to assume it's all phony or do I have to get any evidence? Because you don't want somebody starting to get that mentality in their head that they can just accuse you over allegations. That's what they did for, you know, a lot of different people. Roy Moore, one example here recently that it's just allegations when, you know, the Democrats put it blatantly on their platform, their different stance didn't should be against most conservatives. But for some reason, a lot of conservatives were deceived into following this idea that alleged sexual misconduct, is worse than the whole platform of the Democratic Party. And I'm like going, wait, guys, you got to look at the whole platform on both sides and measure it. Don't just take allegations. They've actually, the whole Democratic platform has adjudicated themselves guilty. That's why they made the platform, and this is what they stood for. But anyway, the point of it is is I want to I be very careful into not jumping to conclusions about hearsay and allegations that have, Little to no fact base, even though we all do it. So, like I say, take this grain of salt because I have personal bias and I tend to believe things that pander to my bias. And I try, I hope that people keep me accountable and I try, I keep myself accountable, but at the same time, I'm, I may not, not realize that I'm, I'm being a hypocrite because we don't want our rule of law to get any worse than it already is. And we already have a problem with rule of law. Now, if you want to talk about the video, <clears throat> the roll-in thing you were talking about earlier, I mean, definitely my concern is how do you figure out who the doggone mole is and root these people out? I don't think it's just um, Marxist in our government. I think the interloping insurrectionists, a whole different group of people. There's Marxists, there's fascists, there's socialists, you know, there's communists. They're all interloping insurrectionists and they have their little cliques with inside our government and they all use the you know secrecy classification top secret status nonsense in order to give themselves cloak cover for them to continue to manipulate their nonsense so that's kind of a broad brush but at the same time i don't really get into the details on those kind of issues i'm more interested in saying hey how do we hold our doggone people in government accountable to we the citizens now and they couldn't get away with this secrecy nonsense that allows them to manipulate us over here because they would be accountable to us instead of this false representation that we get from our supposed representatives you know they represent us like a pimp represents a prostitute actually rendering us legislative slaves involuntary servitude and they call that rep representation give me a break that's not representation I mean, that's basically just fraud, you know, fraudulent misrepresentation and the whole laundry list of other things, whether it be extortion, you know, exploitation, extrinsic fraud. You've heard me list them again. We need to be mindful and keep that in mind. 
but I'm not sure. I, I don't want to get too far off base and back to the same old song and dance because RZ intended. So I'm going to give it back to RZ. All right. Thank you, John. And let us pot up the gooch and see if he has an <laughs> opinion on this. <laughs> well, I always have an opinion. Um, I'll tell you what, RZ, I, you, you and Noah, I, I love you guys. You know what's coming. Um, I'll go a long way with you. I, I, I will. I'll go a long way with you um, because we have a shared sensitivity to the manifest corruption that is the United States federal government. I will believe uh, that the Obama administration <clears throat> intended for guns to get across the border. That, that's, that's absolutely, that's stark. That's provable. Um, I will, uh, but when you, when you call it Sandy hoax, um, you and Noah are going to have to get together and put together a body of evidence because um, it is a serious subject, and I don't think you've made light of that subject at all. You haven't. You, you don't make light of the death of innocence. That's not what I'm saying. Um, it, it's plausible that a kid could have went into a school with any number of rifles and did what he did. I will. I'll admit the only thing that I've ever seen about Sandy Hook is <clears throat> are the news reports, and you know, again, they're absolutely suspect. If the source for saying that Sandy Hook actually occurred, you know, if most of it's coming from the FBI, we know right now that the swamp is actually uh, telling the American people in so many ways, we don't like the choice you made for president, and we're going to change it because we are the swamp, and we're not about liberty. We're about preserving the bureaucracy that has come to be a way of life for way, way too many people. Um, but on the Sandy Hook thing, I'm not, I'm not going to comment so much on it. It's just to say that it's plausible that a kid could have done that. You've got a, you've got a closely, well, you've got rooms of, of unarmed people. You know, one shot could, uh, you know, harm or, or kill two or three different people, especially little ones. Um, do I think that the, the federal government would pull off would, would do I think that officials especially in the Obama administration would would attempt something like this uh, I'd lay money you know I'd lay an amount of money that they'd do it do I think it's possible for them to pull something like this off I don't think so that's a lot of thieves you know you got to keep in the in in the ring in the circle um, and, and until I've been shown you know, absolutely otherwise, I still believe that that a sick individual killed his mother and then took his mother's legally owned firearms and misused them in an unlawful way and went into school and killed a bunch of kids. And it's sad. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's just as sad as somebody going to the top of a hotel and shooting innocent people who are trying to enjoy a rock concert. Um, this government... And I say, when I say this government, <clears throat> I really don't even mean the people like Obama, because I wholly believe that this government, this bureaucracy, doesn't pay attention to the executive branch when it doesn't want to. 
It's a fraternity. It's an alliance. It's the reason that people that work for the federal government vote the way they do. They vote consistently, in lockstep, almost unanimously, to expand the federal government. And they'll, they're brazen about it. <clears throat> you see in the tweets among, uh, uh, you know, that FBI agent, uh, I think it was McCabe, and, uh, you know, the, the, the two of them, commander-in-chief. The things they said about Trump, they said those because Trump represented a force of trimming back the federal government. Um, so that's, that's what I got. I can't, really, I can't really talk about Sandy Hook. I'm not, really call it, I'm not ready to call it a hoax, and uh, I'll give you all the – I'll give you in no way the, the respect of listening to the evidence that you have. They call it laziness on my part that I haven't done any internet research, but uh, uh, I'm going to chalk it up to the federal government couldn't pull something like that off. So back to you, RZ. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I love well, my wife. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm sure you do. Uh all you have to do, because, and, you know, I got nothing but, you know, respect for your position and everything else, and that's just fine. When we look at these things that are done, supposedly in our name, you have to start looking for the patterns that occur. And when you start to talk about shootings, the pattern is that there is a shooting. There is the instant knee-jerk reaction that Every, everybody goes crazy and is calling for gun control and this and that and the other thing. And then the op plays itself out like, uh, well, not only Adam Lanza, but the kid that shot up the theater in Colorado. And any number of these similar situations ends up being a propaganda experience that brings us to the inescapable conclusion where the left goes further left. And by extension, we end up at the point of having to defend is a natural right. And that is the long and the short of it, unfortunately. And I will, and I am going to, okay. So anyway. Here is a little government experience in my recent existence, like yesterday. So I go to the bank to pay my mortgage. 
just like I do every month. So I walk in and give them their dough and they give me my receipt and uh, a li- I bring a little bit more of that fiat money into existence that didn't exist when I took out the mortgage for this house because that money was created out of thin air by the bank. The money that I borrowed for my house was not in existence the day before my name on the volumes of freaking paper that I signed that day with actual no idea (laughs) of what in the world I was signing because nobody knows. You can tell me that you know, but you don't. I mean, it's just a fact of life. It's like clicking I accept the terms and conditions at the bottom of an of an app, knowing that very possibly there is a, a clause in there that, you know, if you misuse the app or alter it in any way, they're going to send a death squad for you and you just blithely check the little box and go continue. So I walk into the bank and, you know, I I do all my little things. I hand them my two forms of ID and the the teller looks at me and goes, well, your your license is expired. Oh, awesome. My driver's license expired. I looked at her and I said, well, it's on my to-do list at this point now. And she's like, well, we can't take your money so you can make your mortgage payment because if we did, we'd have to be falsifying documents to say that it's really you. Calls over her immediate supervisor guy who I've known for like the last probably 10 years that I've been doing business there. So anyway, so I look at him and I go, dude, come on, you really? And he's like, blah, 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 forge documents, yada, yada, yada. Okay, whatever, man, you know, I'm good. I'll go tend to it and then I'll come and let you, you know, steal from me some more. So I go down to AAA, which is where you get your license renewed here in town. And I go up and I got my little form filled out and I sat in my chair with my number like a good drone. And I get up and I talk to the girl behind the counter and she's she scans something and yada 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 and says the DMV through the Social Security Administration has decided that your records are not your records don't match. Your social security number doesn't match the information that they have on file for you. And I can't give you your replacement license until you call this number. 
so I'm just like totally pissed at this point. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah. I said, okay, okay, that's fine. So I took and uh, grabbed my sheet of paper and all my stuff and went. And so I got home, I got out the phone, called the SSA. They have a paraphonic menu, which is completely and utterly useless. There is no, you say agent, you can't hit zero for an operator, you can't do nothing. There's nowhere on the, there's nowhere on the website that addresses your question. So, and... So I'm going through trying to find an office in my immediate area, and they want me to go into the middle of downtown fucking Minneapolis on 18th and Chicago to go to the SS office down there. And it's just like, no freaking way, man. I'm not going down there. And so I do some more research. I find a local office that my girl told me about over in Bloomington. So I go over there, I walk in, I take my number, I sit down, to me straight away. So, and in the interim, when I was at home, before I left to do that, I went and dug through my stuff and I found my original social security card. The original one from 1972 or whenever it was, whenever I got it, 71, 72. So they call my number. I go down and sit in front of the guy, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I said, you guys don't believe I'm me. And he's like, okay, what do you mean? Well, somewhere where your computer system interfaces with the driver's license computer system, they don't believe that there's anything that my information doesn't match up, and I have to come and talk to you in order to prove that I'm me. So, and you can see, you can see that he is not with the program. You know, he's suspicious. I said, well, okay, so here's the piece of paper they gave me. Here is my original freaking Social Security card. From 1972, I need you to write me a note that says I'm me so I can get my damn driver's license renewed. And he's like tippity-tapping through his computer system. He's asking me all kinds of questions like, where were you born? And what was your mother's maiden name? And yada, 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 and all that stuff. And the guy's like, do you have your birth certificate? And I looked at him and I said, no. <laughs> and he's like, I don't see anything wrong here. And he turns the screen towards me and he goes, is this all, is this all good? And I looked at the screen and I said, well, I don't understand what that number is. And that was probably important because that was probably a number that identifies me to uh, to your uh, slave masters, the people that own me. And he wouldn't tell me what it was. 
And I said, yeah, man, that's all good. And he's like, okay. So he wrote me a note, and I went back to the deal. And I got back to the, uh, yeah, Holder, you're right. That's what I'm talking about, your indentured number. Uh, so I go back to the place, and I rehand her all my stuff, show her my note from God, and she's going, Okay, well, hopefully it all works this time. And it was like, da-da-da, chunk, and it worked. So what was the point of me doing all that if it didn't work the first time? But yet, my note from God wasn't even a factor in it because she did the exact same thing that she did before, except it worked. So I can only come to one or two conclusions is that it's part of the deal that they do to you once you become of a certain age because they want to get you on camera, but not like they don't have the camera that they take your license picture with. So anyway, I had to show up at two different places to prove who I was in order to get something, any rights and anybody that believes in liberty or actual freedom shouldn't even need. I don't need, I shouldn't need anybody's permission to, to transport myself. So, at any rate, I got that done. I went back to the bank. And I arranged myself in line so I'd have to go to supervisor guy. I walked up to him and I smiled at him and I said, yeah, you're, now you can take my money. And he's like, well, at least you're smiling. <laughs> and I said, dude, the amount of time that I spent doing this is such a small portion of my life that I can't really take it that seriously anymore. And he's like, okay. I said, here, look at this. This is my original Social Security card. It's older than you are. <laughs> and he got it over. But this is what I'm talking about. When we're talking about the things that the government puts you through, what they're doing is they're running you through the ringer to, one, see if you'll do it, and two, make sure that they can get you to jump through the hoops. Now, what does it say about your country, my country and your country, when you have to have an ID to make your mortgage payment? So, Let's run down the panel real quick and find out where they stand on liberty and stuff like that. No way. Oh, unmute yourself. Um, yeah, you know, th this is funny that you you went through this. When I went last time to have my license renewed, something with Department of Health and Hu or uh, yeah, Health. Listen to me, uh, Homeland Security, and all this and everything else. I mean. I'm turning a, a half a century old, and now I have to prove to the DMV 
that I'm an American citizen. Um, now you you've got my picture and but it it cost me hundred and twenty dollars and I had to same thing I had to find and get my original birth certificate, find the hospital from all the way back into the sixties that still maybe had a record that I was born there. And then I had to get a like a state birth certificate thing. They send it to me. Then I can go get my stupid license renewed. It, it It's pathetic. And this is just another layer. And it, it's people think it's innocent because they're they're claiming they're doing it to keep you safe. But you, you need an ID to do everything in this country except to vote. But I digress on that. But when it comes to what they're doing here, every little bit of information they get on you, every little bit of proof that they can update and say, okay, this person is who they say they are. This is the one that, well, I hear he runs his mouth and he's anti this. And, you know, it. don't be surprised because it's happening. They are the, the data collected on people, and now they are starting to be able to put together your face, your name. They want your DNA. They want it all. They're going to know who you are no matter what. You sneeze, and they're going to they're gonna know who it was. And this is what they're doing. And the more of this, I mean, it took me two months to prove I'm an American citizen, and I was born here. I guess in southern Maine, they don't like it when you say you were born in northern Maine because they know the border wars. Who knows? All I know is that it was a pain in the ass, and I could not believe that I was watching people that could not even speak English walking right in and license and this and that and IDs and walk right back out, and I'm fighting for two months just to get my stupid license renewed. My cousin that was born in Germany had his license pulled and got a little visit from immigration. And here's a kid that is my age, or a kid, yeah, here's, here's my cousin. He, he's my age. He's a year younger than me. But he was born on an army base in Germany. Now, he's going through the same thing of trying to prove He's got his American citizenship because he was born. And it I never heard how it played out, but this is ridiculous. In, in an age where we're fighting against states that are openly giving driver's license and IDs to illegal aliens that have come into this country illegally, but yet the citizens have to jump through a million hoops just to prove we are who we are. So there's something wrong going on here, and who knows? Maybe there's another reason of why, yes, I do have a flag, an American flag that flies upside down. Because our policies are very dangerous to not only our life as being proven, but the sanctity and salvation of this country. So that's what I have on that, RZ. Back to you. No way, and let's see where John stands on this. RZ, this is one of the most serious issues that I'm struggling with. I mean, I definitely think we need to have a national discussion and have as many voices get involved to understand how to make this thing right moving forward. Um, Boy, you are a lot 
more patient than I am. I would have been asking this guy, what are you trying to do, case my whole file so you can set up a profile and then ID theft me? I would have been ripped, boy. I don't know how you handled that so well. Anyway, that's just me talking. But um, these, it's just like all of the Congress and the senators, and they all vote all this stuff in and whatnot and neglect you and your right to self-govern. And then they steal your money every paycheck, and then they build all this NSA and all this data collection technology, and then they get to use it. But you don't. Now, how is that an equal citizen being a free citizen with independence and, and equal justice and, you know, due process for you? Sounds like it's all about setting up the government as a weapon to protect themselves so they can use it to you know, pretty much isolate each one of you. And just like no way, and you guys were, and you were just talking about your own ex- instances, it's like I'm telling the banker, hey, look, man, if anybody wants to come and pay my mortgage, don't be concerned about who they are. Just let them pay my mortgage. I mean, gee, many Christmas. But at the same time, whenever you look at it and you go, well, wait, we got all these immigrants whether they be legal or illegal immigrants coming into America, we got 90-some-odd million of our own, you know, legal United States citizens on the doggone public dole. And they have a first right of refusal, in my opinion, to the rules, laws, processes, and procedures of governing that oversee immigration because the more people that you dump into the labor pool, the more people that's competing for the jobs that's there. And then the corporations love that. Because now they can cherry pick the whole world, just wanting to pick up the, you know, the dominant meritocracy, so that way we can have the greatest minds from all over the world come right here in America, and we can cherry pick them, and then our corporation will be the best, and we can run roughshod over the rest of the peons in America. Oh, it happens to be my second cousin, but oh well, I don't care about my second cousin. I'm a corporate bigwig, and I get to do what I want to do, and I want to pick the. You know, best people around the world cherry pick them. So my second cousin just going to have to be a, you know, pawn sucker in the ditch or whatnot. You know, this stuff just rips me royal. And they always want to make it about money. I'm like, no, self-governing is self-governing. Every legal United States citizen has intellectual property called self-governing. And it don't matter how much your property was. I know that's the way the Constitution was originally set up. People with, you know, property got to vote, and the women were, you know, pushed to the side, and so were the slaves, supposedly. And when I say slaves, just for all the listeners out there, I'm not talking about just black people. There were white slaves, too, and there were even black slave owners. So don't, you know, that's a whole other um, show. But I hate to tell you, too, some of the best congressmen, like um, the senator Ted Cruz, if you go by the, ni- uh, the 1790 Naturalization and 1795 Naturalization Act's information, he's not a legitimate senator. He's not even a legitimate citizen, him and Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio's an anchor baby, and that's sad. Because I wanted Ted Cruz as my president at first until I figured out that his wife, Heidi, was also in on the foreign, you know, the Council on Foreign Relations. And then I found out, there, anyway, that's a whole other subject, too. But I'm like going, you know, we got to have a meeting of the minds and figure this stuff out and quit letting the oligarchy of dictators who uh, lied their way into office 
you know, because you always hear these people say, oh, we keep doing, you know, voting them in, voting them in. Well, naturally, because they all lie to you. They lie out their rear end and tell you all this great stuff as if they're great and they're going to do well, USA, and all this. That. Then they get into office and they got they get bought out by these, you know, thugs. Because it's just a big, it's no different than a gangster. It's a criminal enterprise. You got all these big wigs that got money. And then they go out and buy all their guns, have their armed security guards, you know, because they want to get rid of your guns and stuff, but they ain't willing to get rid of their armed security guards and whatnot that protect them. And, you know, just this past bill that was passed, if you look up on the um, C-SPAN or wherever they keep the information out there, you can look it up, I think, on um, Thomas Register as well. But anyway, it's like the MIA amendment, you know, that MIA love, amendment with the Congress to allow all the congressmen and the senators to use the general budget monies to put security systems in their house. I'm like going, it's just more collusion to um, consolidation of power to themselves and more control over you and I, because you going into these different organizations, they just want to isolate who you are. So that way they can keep tabs on everything you do and then they'll pay off the people up there to turn a blind eye for whenever it's them that's in the uh, – I mean, oh, this roused me up. Anyway, I better drop it back to you. I'll be cussing and carrying on hard. Thank you, RZ. All right. And uh, let's see. Let's uh, get the gooch and find out what he's got. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll tell you who a patriot is. A patriot is somebody who's willing to put a match – through their social security statement. And the reason I think you had to jump through so many hoops is because so many of those hoops are not supposed to be there. The, the reason you had to go through them was it's, it's dig a hole and fill it up. It gives a bureaucrat a job. We got a lot of sacred cows in this country, right? If you tell somebody, well, you know, we ought to cut taxes or we need to at least get rid of, uh, Oh, I don't know, you know, the, the federal cell phone program for the indigent and, you know, less fortunate. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. They'll go along with it. They'll say, yeah, you know, I don't think we ought to be buying people cell phones. I don't, you know, and, and especially these people are able-bodied. They can go out and work. No, we ought not be doing that. You walk up to the average person and you tell them the Constitution does not contain uh, a power for Congress to run a retirement program. Social Security is illegal. They're going to look at you like you're nuts. Or they're going to say, well, I know what the Constitution says, but this is 2017. It's just a good idea. Um, We are being made to participate in a lot of things that should not be. And it's, it's, uh, it's sad that so many people, you know, get the glazed over look when you start talking about all the things that they're not supposed to have to comply with. Um, as far as, uh, you know, what's bringing illegals in, it's the welfare state, which is illegal. It's that big pot of money or that big pot of fiat money, that big promise that, that, that just so happens enough people still believe that the dollar is worth something. That brings people into this country the way it does, that and the drugs. But the drugs have always been there. Um, like I said, we dodged a huge bullet. When we got when we uh, we got when we beat Hillary, um, you know Trump's not a perfect candidate, 
but he's also not proposing a single pair. And I think that was a that was a make or break moment because that's a comprehensive act. Social Security is a comprehensive act. Uh, the only way you can avoid Social Security is you choose not to work or you work off the books, off the grid, which I think is a great phrase. And it may be something that we have to do more of more often. But, you know, for somebody to sit at a job like that guy uh, in the Social Security office, for him, to, for him to sit there all day long and do what he did, and, and that, that's millions of people that, that sit in those offices like that, they shouldn't even exist. Uh, if anything, it could be done at the state level. Now, do I think you need a driver's license to drive on a public road? I don't think it's a bad idea. Uh, I, I'm glad that it's at the state level. I mean, if you can imagine what would happen if the federal government got a hold of driver's licenses, let's not, you know, we'll, 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 we'll get some more sleep. <laughs> so uh, you, you know where I'm coming from. Um, we've got big problems. And they started back when, uh, you know, the first person got the first Social Security check and cashed it. It was not supposed to be. If it's not enumerated, it's not supposed to exist. So a lot of the stuff that we come in contact with um, is illegal. It ought not be. But people are too concerned with, you know, uh, the distractions of life, uh, good or bad, to really raise a fuss. Um, I'm more focused on liberty. I, um, I can point to things downtown like the post office and say, ah, well, you know, there's some legitimacy for that. You know, it's, it's arguable. And then you walk past the Social Security office. It's been there for years and years and years. Millions of people have counted on it when they should have been, when they should have been able to keep that money themselves and put it in their own account. And I can walk past that office and say, there, that is illegal. That's not supposed to be there. That has no legitimacy. I'll tell anybody that. And I get some odd looks. But again, like scripture, you go back to the Constitution and say, is it supposed to exist? No, it is not enumerated. So there's a reason that they're making us jump through these hoops. It's because while we're doing that, we're eating up the, the daylight. And if we comply out of fear, coercion, you have it, you know, whatever, whatever you call it, uh, it's, it's time we're taking away from our true pursuits. Uh, it goes back to the assumption. An American has the assumption that our time and our money is ours when we earn it, and our time is ours because it was given to us by God. A statist will say, no, you're here for the state. You're of the state. You're dependent on the state, and you'll be used for the proliferation of the state. So there's two entire different premises here. I like to say Americans and Romans because I think a lot of people call themselves Americans, but they have no clue what it means. They'll happily go along with Social Security or single payer, uh, you know, out of a sense of benevolence. And then they'll turn around and say, well, you know, if you don't vote Democrat, you don't love Jesus. <laughs> they talk about genocide when the real genocide has been going on since, well, it's been going on a long time, but I wanted to start with 1971. We have 40 million people that aren't here that should have been in whatever capacity or another. So, you had to go through the bureaucracy. I've had to do that. It's, it's sad. It makes you want to go up to the mountains, get a cabin, live off the land, grow a nice long beard, 
I'm just not there yet. I, I I've got to get up real early, guys. Um, I'm I'm busy tomorrow, very early. I'm working on Saturday when I usually never work on a Saturday, so I'm going to sign off right now. But um, uh, I appreciate the time, and I may not be back next week. The same reason, but I will be around. So uh, you guys take care. God bless, and uh, we can disagree on Sandy Hook. Um, because I'm not calling you guys a bunch of liars. That's not what I'm doing. Saying federal government's pretty incompetent even to pull that off. But uh, that being said, good night. God bless you guys, and uh, I'll talk to you here real soon, okay? Back to you, RZ. All right. Thank you, Gooch. And let us speak of net neutrality, shall we? And I have a nice little article that was written actually in 2014 in Forbes. And it explains it about as well as anything I found so far. And it goes as such. It was from Forbes. It was written by a guy named Jeffrey Dorfman. And it goes as such. President Barack Obama took the time this week to pressure the Federal Communication Commission, a technically independent government agency, to issue a set of net neutrality rules that he favors. Many others with a vested interest in equal Internet access for all are also joining in the game of lobbying the FCC for their preferred solution. However, all the noise and poor analogies being used cannot make the proposed net neutrality rules a good idea. Rather, it is just another attempt at government control and enforced equality in a realm that makes little sense. Net neutrality seems like a simple concept. The company that links your computer, tablet, smartphone to the Internet should not be able to discriminate among users and providers in the level of connectivity service provided. That is, we should all be able to send and receive the same number of bits of data per second. Bad idea for the same reason that having only vanilla ice cream for sale is a bad idea. Some people want and are willing to pay for something different. Forcing a one-size-fits-all solution on the Internet stifles innovation by blocking some companies from turning new ideas or business models into successful products. President Obama was quoted in his statement saying, we cannot allow Internet service providers to restrict the best access or pick winners and losers in the online marketplace for service and ideas. Yet, oddly enough, President Obama is happy to pick winners and losers in the marketplace for energy services and ideas where he is working hard to make offshore drilling, coal and shale losers while attempting to turn solar, wind, and other renewables into winners. He has similarly, similarly interfered in the auto market by spending billions to avoid Chrysler and GM from becoming losers and forcing auto manufacturers to meet gas mileage standards, which may eliminate many possible car choices from the marketplace. The last thing we should want 
President Obama or a government agency picking winners and losers on the Internet. And enforcing net neutrality is picking winners and losers, even if it looks like it is just leveling the playing field. You may think it is not, but it completely blocks certain business models and stops any possible innovation that might emerge if given the option of seeking differential access to bandwidth. The key point that President Obama has missed along with all the other rabid supporters of net neutrality is that ISPs and the companies that control the Internet backbone infrastructure that knits everything together do not have the power to pick winners and losers either. Consumers decide what products and services are successful because we adopt them. If an ISP blocks Netflix because of the bandwidth it requires, consumers who want Netflix will take their business elsewhere. If enough people do so, the ISP will have to change policies or go out of business. Economist for the FCC, Thomas Hazlitt, pointed out this week in Time Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and many, many more success stories of innovation all emerged without the benefit of net neutrality. In the time when the government might have been ensuring a level playing field for the Internet pipe into our homes, smartphones and mobile devices completely changed how most people connect and use the Internet. The problem with government regulation of the Internet is that by the time the government studies how it works and what is needed, technology has moved on. Who believes that the government can write a regulation that will still fit the bill in three years when none of us know what the dominant formats, companies, and technology will be that far in advance? Given that the FCC has been proposing net neutrality world rules for a decade with little success, why would we expect a change anytime soon? Also, we need to stop the poor analogies about net neutrality. Neil Irwin in the New York Times says, it is like deciding whether internet connection should be like electricity or cable television. His idea is that we all get the same electric service, net neutrality, but can pay for different levels of cable TV. Yet, places people pay for different electric service in California and other places people can get a lower rate if they agree to let the electricity electric utility turn off their air conditioner during peak usage hours that is actually that is actually the exactly sort of thing net neutrality supporters want to prevent Yet both parties win. The customer saves money in exchange for a short period of discomfort, and utility saves money by avoiding increases in peak generating capacity. Why would the government allow such an option in the more tightly regulated electricity market where there is almost always a single choice of service provider, yet not allow the same thing for Internet access where most people have multiple from providers from which to choose? More choices are good for consumers. We win from having multiple flavors of ice cream in the store. We benefit from the large variety of cars available for purchase. The fact that most people cannot afford some of those models does not mean they should be removed from sale. 
Similarly, the fact that some businesses or consumers may choose to pay for better access to the Internet is not a bad thing. Some people pay more to fly first class, but they do not interfere with my traveling coach. As long as the government enforces the antitrust laws and ensures that consumers can choose among methods and providers for how they connect to the Internet, consumers can pick winners and losers by voting with their time, their eyeballs, and their dollars. No government needed. Thank you very much. Now, I think that really tells you a lot about what you know about the Internet already. The things that we're looking at now is that, you know, there are millions of, of leftists losing their freaking minds over this when up until the point when the prior regime put the smackdown on this net neutrality thing, everything seemed to work fine. And if there is time at the end of it, I will, you know, I'll relate to you my story. A couple a couple years ago, I sat in a meeting, a, a town hall meeting, with the now disgraced and soon to resign senator from Minnesota, Al Franken, and that was a horror show. But let us call her from area code 909 and find out what they have to say about net neutrality. Go ahead, sir or madam, and good evening. Hello, good evening. It's Suzette. Thank you for taking my call. Well, of course. (laughs) I'm doing well. (laughs) Thank you. And yourself? It is another fabulous day here uh, in cooler Minneapolis, but ah. all the hoops have been jumped through, and uh, life can <laughs> proceed as planned or unplanned. So, For the moment. <laughs> what about the interweb and net neutrality? Well, um, I was not in favor of it two years ago, and I'm glad that it is being rolled back. Um, I think it should be light-handed regulated rather than over-regulated. Besides what people are talking about with the throttling and so forth, because that was the main talking point, as you were saying, lots of people were passing around you know, bad information, I guess you could say. And so that was the main talking point. I was having little to know about what was actually the debate, the debate would be about. So, I mean, the Telecommunications Act of 1996 passed, it was passed in 96, um, and the jurisdiction over broadband and internet providers. Now, the thing I'm looking at says that that was in 96, then in 2002, the broadband becomes an information service. It was classified that. And then in 2005, it proposes open Internet principles. 
and those guidelines were for to urge providers to treat all traffic equally. But the only thing was is when they put that in there, they didn't put anything to or anybody to enforce that. In 2000, the late 2000s, um, the traffic started to really grow because people were watching more videos and uh, live feeds and so forth. And so the FCC adopted another order that prohibited traffic discrimination by broadband providers. But then the courts got involved and said, well, you can't do that. And they had cited the classification um, of the broadband at that time being an information service. So they said, you can't stick your nose in that. And um, so appeals, the appeals court had turned over the 2010 open order, open internet order. And then in 2014, the net neutrality rules, the new ones that were proposed, um, basically offers new rules to permit providers to manage traffic in a commercially reasonable manner, it says. But I think what we have to remember is the internet wasn't broken two years ago. So why did the FCC feel the need to get involved in the first place? There were a lot of people that spoke out against SOPA, which had to do with net, net neutrality and keeping the open internet. And yet somehow this time around, people forgot about that because of all these other items that were being pushed that were untrue. So I, I think Ajit Pai, when he gave his dissent in the last vote with Chairman Wheeler at the head of the helm there, him and Obama buddy-buddy, um, I think he remained true to that and wants to restore the Internet to what it was before it was meddled with, and that's just to maintain the free and open access. So anything else that comes along with it, you know, this time around, they'll be able to put something in place as far as the enforcement mechanism that's lacking in order to keep providers from, you know, meddling, throttling, whatever you want to call it. Which are all good points. And, you know, the part of the whole net neutrality thing was to bring about regulating Internet ISPs as the And that was the point of it. Because the utility, and this was the Title II part, where right. it ends up being a, regulated like a utility, which then gives the government tighter regulatory authority. Now, in the event that, you know, another administration who is not particularly business friendly decides to come in, we end up at the point where you have this three to two vote again. You know, fortunately, we've dodged that bullet. Mm -hmm. I can got brought back into uh, the public domain, so to speak, and all that. The thing mm -hmm. where you see people like Google and Amazon, who is a huge provider of bandwidth to none other than the federal government, is that 
there are three tiers of providers in the internet plan. The first tier is a uh, uh, the first tier are the backbone providers. They are the ones that have the pipes that run cross-country. The second tier providers take that and move it into a regional network. And then the third tier are your various single ISPs that buy their bandwidth from the number two tier providers. So when, when you're looking at that, and I'm picking up a lot of noise from you here, Suzette, so I'm going to put you on mute for just a sec. When you look at the uh, when you look at the difference between a second and third tier provider, what Google does and what Amazon does is they've elevated themselves above the the original not buying from a local ISP. They they're trying to they move themselves into the second tier where they're cutting off the main line, so to speak. Now, at that point, then, none of these net neutrality regulations fall onto them as far as them having to treat all traffic the same. Essence, net neutrality isn't actually about making sure everybody's stuff is being treated equally, what it's about is allowing the companies that are the biggest to cut into the main line and not have to deal with the little people, so to speak. So what say you about that, Suzette? I'm sorry, I muted myself too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'm just going by what I've read in the actual order itself, the text. And it talked about um, how the big guys, like you're talking about, and the little guys, it's supposed to help the little guys get in as far as their their opening because of the limitations in different areas that do not have internet access as well as um, the different rules that these ISPs may decide that they're going to impose, whether they charge more for this or that, or if they even consider blocking this or that, there's going to be somebody else now that's going to be able to come along and say, okay, well, I can offer it to you for less, and I'm not going to block you. And so it opens for more competition, and that way keeping the prices down, keeping these big guys kind of in check, um, because the spectrum that they're that they're purchasing in auction, of course the big guys will be able to per, you know purchase more, but depending on, because they do have deals, that sounds funny, but they do. <laughs> You can go to the FCC website and 
find out the different auction dates and what they have. I don't know how exactly that works, but yes, they do have deals. <laughs> so the little guy can can actually get in and create um, some stir amongst these big guys. I know that they won't, uh, or that they're not going to allow them to merge anymore, so that's good. Um, I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for or if it was along those lines. I was chasing my dogs out of the house. <laughs> I know it's an excuse, but it's true. <laughs> well, yeah, and the thing is, is that, you know, once you're big enough to bypass the end-user ISE situation, you end up at the point of, and this is what Google does currently with search engines. They write their own algorithm for their search engine, which brings you into the situation where the results that are presented from a Google search engine versus DuckDuckGo or anybody else ends up being sequestered in their algorithm for speech they don't agree with. Mm -hmm. And that where we end up at the bad spot. Now I found some really interesting stuff about, you know, globalist takeover of the interwebs and it's like nine pages long and we certainly don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. But our lives were perfectly fine before net neutrality, and investment yeah. continued into the infrastructure of the Internet and innovation. Once the prior administrations clamp and their effort to make it a Title II system infrastructure and the net fell off by about 5%. So mm-hmm. anything, and it goes with, you know, and you're more than familiar with this, is that any time the government becomes involved in something, it suffers. And I think what the yeah. guy in Forbes article said was just fine. Is that yes. I've been, you know, I've been doing this deal... What I, you know, I was back in dial up modems and uh, MindSpring <laughs> back in the mid 90s, you know. Oh boy. And so I love what I can do now. And fortunately, I'm at the point where, you know, I don't think that they I don't think they're going to be able to actually do it because I believe that at some point especially if there ends up being some actual accountability within the legislative branch they're going to have to actually build some legislation that says you can do this you can't do that and that is going to take it out of the hands of the FCC and leave them to their freaking out about a nipple being shown on TV or, you know, whether you're doing the right amount of PSAs or whatever it is, and get them out. I think if, we would have, if he would have kept, 
that your title too in place that um that that may may have come sooner i'm not saying that it won't happen maybe eventually but at the moment with the um trade commission handling the privacy and the fcc handling the light-handed regulation on it it's going to be tough for congress to to stick their nose in it i guess you could say not saying it couldn't happen though but i just i think we've bought some time is what we did by by uh returning back to the original state hmm. that's all good so oh now i've got a kitty making noise uh What do you think yeah. about that? <laughs> well, I don't buy into the whole Title II thing. So I would have uh, – I don't like anything that puts something that's Wild West and putting the clamp on it because then all it takes is one one clown with an NSA warrant or something to be – you know called national security and boom we're off the air forever mm-hmm. that's that's my that's my disagreement with title two so ah yeah well the title two also had to do with uh that classification thing and, and telecommunications being a pure transmission versus the enhanced services required in order to uh, transmit information, data, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so when, you know, Ma Bell had begun, you know, they didn't know what to do with the Internet because it was kind of through a phone line. So they just stuck it under the Title II. And then later came as far as, well, wait a minute. It's information that we're actually transferring. It's not that pure of a transmission. And because it's information... Technically, it can't go under the telecommunications um, Title II part and be regulated under that. And that's kind of what that's about as far as the whole – it had to do with purity of the transmission, believe it or not. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. That's all. It says long before – I'm sorry. Long before the commercialization of the Internet, federal law drew a line between the heavily regulated common carrier services – and a more lightly regulated service that went beyond mere transmission. So starting in 1966, the commission initiated the computer inquiries, which created a, a dichotomy between basic and enhanced services. Basic services offered pure transmission capability over a communications path that is virtually transparent in terms of its interaction with the customer supplied information and were regulated under Title II of the Communications Act. Enhanced services were any offering over the telecommunications network, which is more than a basic transmission service. Um, An enhanced service, for example, computer processing applications are used to act on the content code or content code protocol and other aspects of the subscriber's information. Unlike basic services, the commission found that enhanced services should not be regulated under the act. So, I mean, this this comes from the FCC 
like I said, the whole, the text of what they were bringing about. So, mm-hmm. isn't that interesting? It is. And I'm not nearly as well versed on what became or what came before the excruciatingly boring meeting that I had to sit through on net neutrality with Al Franken. But I will look into it. And I think on... I'll put the, the link in the tech, I mean, in the uh, <laughs> chat room, so if you want it, or your listeners, and then I'm going to bug out, and thank you for taking my call. <laughs> All right, and uh, no way is going to talk about this, too, after this show on his joint. So you can take that on. And I see another call from area code 907. Good evening, Are sir, madam. What say you? Are, is that Boyd? That's Boyd. It sure hey, is. Hey, Boyd, what's up? Hey, I was uh, going to get in on this, you know, throttling stuff and everything. And, you know, I work for telecommunications outfit, pretty big one. And, you know, the demand for bandwidth for uh, – the internet is so great that we can't keep up with it. You know, uh, it takes a lot of servers, a lot of fiber optics, a lot of, lot of stuff, you know, to transmit your, our signals back and forth like we're doing right now. And you know, we just can't keep up with the demand. The, the servers, the equipment, the fiber optics and stuff, we can't put fiber in the ground fast enough. The uh, uh, terminal equipment, we can't get fast enough from the manufacturers. Um, we've uh, quadrupled the amount of traffic that could be put over a fiber uh, you know, since fiber optics has, has gone in the ground. And we just can't keep up with demand. We can't get the equipment from the manufacturer fast enough. They're just, you know, they're backlogged. They're building as fast as, as it is, as they can. And, uh, you know, we just can't get it. So that means that people like like you, me, and most of us, you know, we buy, uh, say, a, a, a 20 meg service from our internet provider. Well, that 20 meg service is only guaranteed from your computer to the first server that you hit at the, uh, the central office. At that point, it depends on how big the pipe is that's feeding that server. And any other server that you go to out there on the Internet. So you can have 25 mega service feed, uh, you know, on your computer that you're paying for, but you won't necessarily get it. You're not guaranteed that. Only to your first server are you guaranteed that uh, amount of bandwidth. Um, if the pipe gets filled up at high usage or high volume time, 
the only way you can maintain your 20-minute service is to buy uh, a private uh, service for 20 meg bandwidth uh, to complete uh, what you want. And that's the cost of that is way beyond what we can pay on a monthly basis for our, for our internet service. So we all get throttled, whether you know it or not. You know, if you get 20 megs, you probably won't notice uh, if you're watching a movie, you know, live on your on your computer. But for somebody like me that that that, that uh, four meg, I will notice it quite a bit because of the buffering that'll have to take place to to get all my uh, all, all all the data for my movie into my computer. So, you know, and, and being up here in Alaska, you know, we're kind of the kind of the redheaded stepchild. So our internet service is uh pretty limited, uh just due to the amount of glass we've got going between Alaska and the lower forty eight. Um, you know, our market up here is is small. Um Years ago, when the internet first first came out, uh, and AOL was the biggest provider of internet service out there, uh, our company, as a telecommunications outfit, went to AOL and asked uh, Steve right up front and said, you know, asked him to provide uh, service up here, and. Uh, he looked at us and said, why would I want to pay, you know, why would I want to provide service and pay all that money to get service to Alaska when I can uh, take the same amount of money and put it into one building and that has the same population as as you guys in Alaska, you know, and, you know. The only response my my manager come up with was, you know, well that's because, you know, we've got nine months of winter and three months of piss or ice skating, so people will be on their computers a lot, so you'll make money. Well, it took a couple more years of of, of uh, beating on him before he came up here, but when he did. You know, he made made money. You know, there's no way for him not to. But you know, there is the one of the biggest problems we have on the internet today is just their bandwidth problem. Um, and um, Suzette was talking about bandwidth uh, auctions and stuff from the FCC. And most of that bandwidth is, uh, you know, stuff that uh, people buy from the federal government for mobility, for your Internet service and and your cell phones and stuff like that. Because even there, it's uh, uh, limited as to what you can get and what you can't because of the limitations 
we as as telecommunications can uh, only provide so much bandwidth uh, due to FCC regulations and stuff and the lack of equipment. You know, the the, the uh, ability of the equipment. So, yeah, people are going to get throttled whether they, whether they want to or not. At least we do up here. Well, let me ask you this, Boyd. Even yes, given sir. your physical limitations as far as getting equipment and everything else, uh have you noticed within and seeing how you're on the ground floor, so to speak, have you noticed the difference between pre-Obama net neutrality and post-Obama net, net, net neutrality? No. As far as the way you're serving. Well, other, other, uh, well other, other than, you know, uh, been noticing that, you know, uh, Conservative websites have you have trouble accessing them, but you know if you go to a liberal leaning website, you know uh, you don't seem to have as much trouble. Uh, I had put in the chat. I was I was listening to Rush uh, this afternoon, and uh, you know. He made a comment that just was right on the money, the way I think. And, you know, he said the regulations from uh, the net neutrality was were to move slow because uh, they didn't want to have everybody get riled up. But the government was is afraid that the Internet is going to be uh, the next uh, – talk radio you know and so uh, they're trying to limit uh, the uh, uh, content of uh, of what can be broadcast and what can't to keep you from getting news that they don't want you to have well yeah and I, I don't disagree with that so, thank you for calling in, and uh, it's time to jump over to Noe's next gig, and he'll be starting in about three minutes, and we'll beat this into the ground some more. No, no. All right. So, okay. I'm going to... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna set you on mute, and we'll uh, we'll see you on over there. Yep, I was gonna say that. All right, thanks, man. You bet. Bye, kids. Time to wrap it up and head on over to No Way's show. Those of you that were listening on Spreaker, send me a tweet and let me know how your sound was. I need to know that. Uh, we will be back again with more nonsense 
next week. And at some point in the action here, I'll send out some tweets and whatnot, and we'll start testing out the Spreaker functions as far as getting a bunch of people on a Skype call so we can get going on this deal because this is going to happen. Spreaker is going to happen. So get to it. We'll get with it. And we'll see you all slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details